Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Avatar, the last airbender. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are talking about Avatar, the last airbender, season one, Book of Water. Um, or book one, water. I don't know exactly what... Okay, we're going to take a second real quick. Noel, how am I supposed to refer to book one or season one? Is it the book of water or book one, colon, water? Like, how... What, help. I think it's book one, colon, water. So book one, water. So Avatar The Last Airbender, comma, book one, colon, water, comma. Yes. Episodes seven and eight. Yes. Winter Solstice. Even though they both have subtitles, which are The Spirit World and Avatar Roku, which are the actual episode titles. Correct. Because these are, this is not a two-parter. <laughs> this is not one story stretched over two episodes. These are two distinct episodes that have a little bit of a th- plot thread that connects them. Um, they have connective tissue. Yeah, but it's not a two-parter. It is not one episode. That has two No, parts. it is not one episode. No. No. Um, so obviously, uh, we were really excited about the last two episodes and here we do get a return of Angry Fire Kid. We get a return of some of the other figures that we've been seeing in, in the season, but we also get an important introduction and that is all the stuff about the threads about the spirit world, which are new, I think, to the show at this point. Allison, yes. uh, what did you think of the introduction of the spirit world? Oh, it was great. Um, you know, it took me the first time I was watching, I was like, why, why does it still look like it's nighttime? What's going on? Um, and so I, I feel like I got a lot more clarity on the, on the second watch through. Um, and as is a constant refrain, I really appreciated that Aang reacted the way a kid might react in such a situation, um, in sort of being like freaked out, but also, thinking it's kind of cool and also bewildered and this, that, and the other thing. So uh, short version, yes, very into the spirit world, excited to see what happens with that in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, Noel, am I correct to think, what is this a, um, there are some several clear anime inspirations or, I mean, or it shares common inspirations as several animes about like spirit of the forest being angry because of the destruction. And so being transformed from a physically much more identifiable, um, bear, right. Into this monster kind of thing. I could not, unfortunately name them in my brain. I was like, I know I've seen this idea many, many times. I want to say princess Mononoke, but I could be wrong about that. Um, where else, uh, is this drawing from? So Mononoke is probably like the big, touchstone i think because mononoke is filled with large 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 animals of the forest um being turned into horrible covered creatures that look really really scary um until you soothe them um so that's a that's a really solid example but i mean mythology both like japanese mythology but mythology across like cultures are filled with spirits that get distorted in some way prior to being calm. So it's not just unique to uh, Japanese culture. Um, it's common throughout a lot of, a lot of mythologies. Um, so, but yes, very clearly like this animal feels like it belongs to, um, feels like it belongs in a Miyazaki type of uh, show of some kind. Um, the, the D, the D's, the D, D, 
pre-cleansed panda spirit mm-hmm. um definitely feels like it it's it's scary it's a scary it's a scary beast yeah i would not want to mess with the beast um i should have asked i did not ask uh, my mom if she is still uh on a saka saka place um <laughs> because i thought it was very cool that uh he was like okay you guys are just standing here this is like it's destroyed several buildings and our friend is just standing there we have to help him I know we don't know what we're doing, but we we gotta help him. <laughs> I'm gonna try. So I feel like Saka got some points in this one, even if it wasn't maybe the wisest call to run out after the giant spirit monster. He gets a number of points across both of these episodes, I feel like, um, since he also att- does a really good solution to the door puzzle um, uh, in the uh, temple. So I think that Saka has a really solid two episodes, even if he's sort of off screen for most of the spirit world, he has a really solid two episodes. Yeah. He also seems to sort of solidify himself um, in a way that feels, I, I guess, more definitive as this is his life now. And this is what he's doing. And his role is to help Aang and that is the right thing to do as opposed to like, well, yeah, we're going to do it. Let's do it. And I'm occasionally reluctant and grumpy and recalcitrant. And in this case, when they decide that they're going to accompany him to the tel- temple, it's very unified, very determined. Um, good, good Sokka episodes. Sokka, not Sokka. <laughs> yeah. And he's also really practical of, we could use some supplies yep. and money because we're children. Yeah. It's like, you can't ask for money. Well, I can because I'm hungry and pretty soon we're, we could only eat, get so much, I guess, kelp, uh, for, 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 yeah. Like when, when we're randomly flying for hours and hours and hours with no hay around for Appa. I mean, yeah. Um, maybe Appa has like giant knits. Like maybe there's an ecosystem in his fur. That okay. they're able to cook or prepare somehow? Maybe. I mean, that sounds terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> but if we're trying to figure out how they eat when they're up above the ocean blue. I mean, I suppose that Katara could be waterbending fish into the air. That's true. But Appa's vegetarian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all, all air nomad and air nomaded related um, creatures are vegetarians. Not Momo, though. Momo's kind no, of No, not Momo. Momo does enjoy some insects. So maybe maybe they're creaming Appa's milk into butter and cheese. There you go. There we go. Um, so so uh, I, obviously the episode that we get here, this first episode, really is, is very circular. It takes, it basically our, our, it takes us to this town and it, the spirit monster basically needs to have the same conversation. Um, Aang needs to have the same conversation with the spirit monster that Katara has with Aang at the beginning. It's the, the exact same acorn and everything. And then the spirit monster is like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, it's a bit of a denouement kind of ending thing. But I think that really this is all about the the mood of it and obviously introducing the spirit world in general and introducing the sweet, badass... Uh, um, pet feels dimin- diminishing. So let's say the spirit animal of Roku, who is just a dragon, is really freaking cool. Um, cool. 
So let's talk about the extremely cool dragon and uh, Avatar Roku and what, what we get in, in these two episodes. And that, maybe that'll bridge us up over to the other one then. Um, I, we, we, Allison, you already mentioned, right, that they still feel like kids. And I feel like there's no, no better pointer or like indicator of that than there's a giant blue dragon. And Aang's like, cool. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> First he's like, you might be scary. And then he's like, well, I'm not gonna... I'm gonna go. Let's meet a dragon! <laughs> and it, of course it works out just fine because he's the Avatar and it's, this isn't that part of the story yet. So, um, what did you guys think of our introduction to Roku and this first tease at the various uh, other lives of the Avatar? Um, I think it's... I think it's really great in part because it also solidifies like the one other thing that's sort of missing from this grand epic narrative, which is a mentor figure. And Roku very much fulfills that role, um, even if he doesn't crop up a great deal because Aang doesn't know how to fully tap into A, his past selves, and B, the spiritual world as well, because no one's trained him how to do that yet. Um, that's the whole journey of the Avatar, which gets into a little bit in um, Avatar Roku of you have to take years to learn, relearn, really, technically, um, the entirety of bending. Um, and you get half a year. Have fun. Um, which also gives Let's us a deadline. more with less. <laughs> yes. Well, which, is, which also gives us a deadline, and narratives love deadlines. Audiences love deadlines. They get very exciting. Um, except in Galaxy Quest, where the ta- countdown doesn't mean anything. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. Um, because they always stop it just in time. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think both of those, it's it works really, really well. And one of the things I'm excited about is going back and seeing how like we get reintroduced to those past selves a little bit more. Um, Cause my, re- my remembrance is that they don't do, they don't do a lot with it. Um, but Roku is really pivotal, especially because of the fact that he was there at the start of the war. And that provides some shading to the entirety of like the arc of the fire nation. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff that they lay out here um in like little bits and pieces even down to like some of the stuff with Iroh um that we get in this episode as well but I think all the Roku stuff is really really good and just the politics of the fire sages and everything as well um the show just excels at world building without feeling like they're doing any world building and I really love it yeah I um I think that there's something really interesting in sort of um classic Knowles mentioned Joseph Campbell a couple times like touchstones of the way that we tell stories and have forever um in a way that's slightly left of center the relationship to nature and time and death and the past are all very recognizable but just a little bit different and I think that's really really cool so the you know the second half of this not a two-parter um does uh, a really good job of sort of cashing in on some very recognizable stories someone's been waiting a really long time and now they've arrived and this is my moment that i've been waiting for and all that stuff with uh some sort of cool hijinks and there are insurmountable stakes but they're allowed to feel 
insurmountable and urgent and kind of messy without feeling like a grand trial necessarily. It's all very down to earth without being anything remotely like actually down to earth, right? It's practical, I guess. Um, epic and practical at the same time, which I think is really cool, which ties into your point about uh, Sokka being willing to ask for food and money because, you know, they still have to actually exist in order to pull this off. If they're going to do any of this, they have to survive. And there are some very basic things about survival. Um, So I really appreciated the tone of both of these episodes, but the second one in particular and the way they balance those things. Um, But that's true. The first one as well, the, the monster isn't really the monster. It's something that we created and it's actually um, tied to emotion is a thing that we see a lot in storytelling. It, it is actually the entire plot of Moana happens in like this one episode. Um, so I think that that is also super effective. And while they may not be a two-parter, they work well together as um, like a sort of thematic, tonal, in conversation with each other kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, having, I mean, like, we just see a bunch of different small things that tie into the world building, that tie into, you know, just the the way that they are teaching Aang, but also teaching the viewers to observe what's happening. Like, in the second episode in particular, right, we've seen, we see in the first and second, we see Aang choosing, like, he's get, he gets this vision but he doesn't go say, hey, I just had this vision. Let's talk about it. He, f- for some reason, knows or feels he should keep it to himself until he understands what it means. We see him have to choose to do what is necessary, which is go into the temple rather than save his friends. And he makes that decision quickly. He, like, he acknowledges the decision and makes it. And it's the right decision. Um, there's the, 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 these little steps on a path that, you know, that he's obviously on in, in your Cam- Campbell style hero's journey. Um, that they, the ones that they choose to, to really focus on and the ones that they, that they will have him struggle with and circle back to, you know, lessons he needs to learn a few times. Um, it's, it's, that's always interesting to me with the show. And I like that um, he doesn't have to learn Oh, I, it's more important for me to go talk to Roku than to save my friends right now because my friends are going to be fine. I will come. I will save them later. It'll be okay, right? Um, I like that they give Aang depth that a lot of writers don't on their journey on their like their kid heroes, right? They have to like learn a tra- have a tragic misunderstanding, you know, kind of situation. And, and here he just has some instincts about what is right and what he needs to do. And that comes from being the avatar and, and like some like sense memory of his previous lives, even if he can't really connect with them yet. I don't know. I was really struck by that, especially in the second episode. I think that's true in a different way of Katara and Sokka too, actually, but in a story like this with a young hero, typically we might see them um, try to talk him out of it uh, in in a more pronounced way, we might see one of them say like, well, if you're going to take this risk, then I'm not going. And instead, they're just like, well, OK, you know more about this than we do. So if this is what you say we have to do, then obviously we're going to do it. You know, it's nuts, right? Um, <laughs> like, you know, this is bonkers. But um, I mean, 
you're the avatar. So off we go. Um, and I appreciate that it's, they're not wasting time with stories where we know how they're going to end up. They just are moving forward, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a bit about Angry Fire Kid and Uncle Iro because, <laughs> again, I think we get to really... I mean, I'm curious, Allison, where you're at with Angry Fire Kid because I, I'm enjoying him more and more. I mean, obviously, I have a... I, I enjoy that character because I know everything we're headed to. But, um, like, I, th- I feel like this is some prime Uncle Iro stuff in these these episodes, particularly the, the first episode. Um, yeah, what did you think? Uh, I'm obsessed. Um, very good. Thumbs up. Very much enjoy the nonchalant manner in which he's like, well, sure, I guess you're going to leave without me, but I'm taking a bath right now, man. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but hashtag self-care, all right? <sighs> buddy, When's the last little time buddy? we were at a hot spring? It has been, yeah, come on. An, it has been it's a been day. A, it's been a minute. And I heated this water myself. Do you even understand my skills? <laughs> like, this is a perfect bath. This you are really missing out. Um, so I really appreciated that. And then the, like I said, the nonchalant manner in which it's like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this now. You don't even know what you're up against, do you? Um, he might be my favorite character at the moment. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, as for Zuko, as for Danny Zuko, the angry fire kid, um, we maybe we could call him greased lightning. No, um, anyway, I. Like I said, I've said this a couple times as we've been talking about the show. Appreciate the way that they are still... He's so villainous in his every essence, right? Like very squinty, grovelly villainy. Um, Even as he's going through these things that if he were less squinty and grovelly and growly and angry fire kitty, uh, we would recognize as also being parts of a hero's journey. I have no idea where he's going, but... My uncle gets captured and my priorities get rejiggered and I have to, and then I get approval from him that I've needed, but I had it all along. I just wasn't seeing it. All that stuff is really classic, but it's got this sort of different window dressing on it, um, which is really, really fun. Even if he remains, hey, I'm angry fire kid. I'm the villain for the duration of the show. If this is the way they're going about it, I think it'll be super interesting. Marcus says, if the show was only Uncle uh, Uncle Iroh, it would be great. Yes. yes. And Scotty says, truly a self-care champ. I don't have a bath sub, and I want to take a bath so bad. <laughs> I was jealous the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Iroh, Iroh is very focused on making sure that you live a life. Um, especially, like, now. I mean... He's, for some reason, on this journey with Zuko... Um, that he's that we don't fully know we get a little hint about his past as he laid siege to a city for 600 days um but he was tired his men were tired he made a decision and just like all these little things but also maybe you just want to sit in the bath and have some tea like can we just for the love of god can we just have some tea (laughs) um and i think that there's plenty of really good stuff in this um even down to like his whole thing of well you know i'll support you if you want to run this blockade but i also can't help you if you run this blockade i have no authority anymore um 
we can't do a lot anymore. Um, so I think that there's there's so many good things to this character, and a lot of that is also just due to Mako's performance, uh, vocal performance, because it's so good. Um, he finds just really delicious depths to all of what they write for Iroh that it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I really I think that's especially true in when we get that really great fight scene with the two of them, mm-hmm. um, where he's still got that kind of bemused. I guess this is what's happening now thing yes. that Uncle Iroh does. And then it really abruptly shifts to, yeah, I guess maybe we're outnumbered, but you're outmanned. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And then things get very actiony and cool. And yes. it's just, it's a nice glimmer of this other piece of him that I don't think it's that it's been hiding at all because it's cropped up. Pretty much anytime somebody tries to give our little angry fire kid shit, we get like a little glint of that. But it yeah. was nice seeing it in full. Very cool. Right. But he doesn't even need firebending. Just give him a couple of chains and he's able to wrap those chains around yep. some rocks and throw them right back at you somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Well, and especially after we had two episodes showing us the badassery of earthbending, this yeah. episode's going like, yeah, but also, I mean, our our villains, you know, our, our, our antagonists here... They, they can stand up to some earthbending and not yeah. all earthbenders are are equal <laughs> yes these people not all benders are, equal. are not king boomy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well and uh, it was there was still cool earthbending and that the way they trapped him was pretty cool yes and i had a nice little chuckle when zuko was like well no it wasn't a landslide <laughs> because <laughs> landslides don't go uphill so no i'm pretty sure that's not what happened um but it was very neat just watching the lingo uh-oh betrayed by the bath yeah it hurts so much um do we have any other moments uh i mean we we haven't talked about roku how about that that scene of him in the second episode it's just epic it's so good yeah. You want to talk about cool firebending? I'm going to firebend a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, this this avatar powers right here everyone. I can firebend a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question that I am curious about, which is uh-huh. that when we first started talking this way back in the Halcyon days of uh the dreariest part of Loose for season 3, um the two of you told me to just keep watching through episode seven, which we have now reached. Mm-hmm. Right? No, that's next. No, this is it's seven. A, seven and seven? eight. Yeah. We're on seven and eight. Good. I thought so. Okay. Um, so why episode seven? I think it was mostly, I think in my brain, I was just like the, this two-parter sort of like solidifies a lot of the, um, whatchamacallit, like the introductory type stuff to mm-hmm. the most part. Um, like a lot of pieces at this point are very firmly in place. Um, like you get you get all four forms of bending. You get spirit world. Characters feel like, especially in Sokka's case, feel really solidified in the version that they're going to be for the rest of the show. Not counting like character development type stuff that continues throughout. Like this feels like the base version of the show, and everything else builds from here. Um, but then you also this is also like the first time you get a real sense of what Avatar is, like the Avatar is in terms of like past selves, abilities to control like the elements in really different ways of like, yeah, no, we've seen Katara bend snow a little bit. 
here's a guy who's dead. <laughs> Channeling himself through a 12, 11-year-old's body, causing magma to rise up through the floor. And it's just like all these little hints of things happening that then you get like everything in place. And then I really do feel like by episode 10, when we get to jet, you get the, you start getting the shading that starts to happen. Um, and tease for the Caldwell's and Marcus episode 10 next to you. Shading starts to kick into gear. <laughs> um, so I think that's why I was just like around episode seven, but definitely by episode 10, I think especially the show's solidified itself, but that, that was, that was for me. Yeah. Cool. So basically just the soup is done. Yeah, like the, I wouldn't even say the soup is done. I would say the broth is perfect at this point. And now we're going to start adding things into it. Right. Is kind of how I feel about it. Because the broth's, the broth is good. It's really, really good. It's just the right amount of salty. Let's start adding some ingredients in now. Like let's add in some vegetables and some meat and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's where this starts to happen. Even down to like the next episode where they find a waterbending scroll. Because keeping in mind, Katara knows basics. And not even really basics. And now they both have to learn. So. Well, I mean, we also get in this episode, these episodes, we get the introduction of our ticking clock. Yeah. We get a very clear mission statement as opposed to just the the, the fire, fire nation is bad. Everybody right. else is good. And he, you, you've got to fix it, avatar person. <laughs> like, there, there's st- it's still vague, but there is a s- more distinct... Yeah. Mission statement and deadline. Um, so things starts kicking into place. Um, yeah, but and also just I feel like a lot of a lot of shows that maybe take a little bit to find their feet or like in this the case of Avatar is strong right right away, but it's not what is it's not in episode one what it is going to be because the characters need to experience a few things to get them what it's actually going to be, uh, especially when you've been locked uh, frozen in, in an ice uh, iceberg for a hundred years, you know. You got to thaw out a little bit. You got some um, stuff to deal with. You got to make some, an appointment with Dr. Linda. It's important. It's very um, important. Yeah. You, gotta, it's, you got some things to work out. Yeah. Um, let's then, I'm going to throw it over. If anybody who's hanging out in the Zoom has any other questions or things they wanted to mention, please uh, drop them into the chat. Marcus has an expedi- an exposition dump in the first episode. It isn't always the best decision. It often isn't. Uh, I, I agree, uh, Marcus. So I would much rather have a show like let me know whatever I need, and they do that here with the intro with the intro, like there's like the backstory in thirty seconds, um, and then from there just let us figure it out as we go. So, uh, Scotty says the sunset sequences in Winter Solstice Part One were so beautiful, and actually in both episodes, and yeah, I definitely agree. And, like the some of the choices of where they position everyone, the storyboarding of like having them stand there and the lights coming in, their shadows are lengthening. I was really struck by that shot. Just a lot of really beautiful stuff to, to watch, to look at. Um, so yeah, yeah I forgot how really beautiful that like big full moon shot yeah. at the end of Avatar Roku is. Um, I was just like, Oh, this is really good. Oh, they're going to keep calling back to this. They keep calling back to this is like the thing is like this, that kind of that sort of shot, like keeps coming resurfacing really effectively as the show matures. Um, so th- I think that there's just a lot of really good thing, but we also get like our first big introduction to Appa needs seatbelts <laughs> because it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I had two other things that I wanted to mention. 
One was, I feel like a, like a, uh, what we know of Aang so far um, in his life is like a kid and not the avatar is sort of perfectly expressed by Katara dreamily wondering what it would be like to sit on the clouds. Uh, and then Aang being like, I'll find out! And he just <laughs> jumps. Um, I thought that was really charming. Also, this is um, uh, with Scotty's comment about the really stunning visuals in these two episodes. Uh, a good point to mention that on the advice of counsel by counsel, I mean, Noel Kirkpatrick, I bought the Blu-rays um, when we talked about it, like right after. Uh, they inexplicably showed up literally the next day. It was really weird. I didn't pay for fast shipping, but Best Buy is apparently on their ship because it's... Mine, mine came like almost like four days early. Wow. Yeah. Well, it my mine cost me 30 bucks, basically, and it is totally worth it at least on my television Mm -hmm. um the difference in picture quality is staggering like it was apparent from the credits like the one of the earliest shots in the credits i was like oh wow there's just more texture and more shading and the um the expressions of the characters are more evocative the color is richer so if you are listening and watching on netflix and you're enjoying it it might be worth coughing up the dough for the blu-ray set which as i said only sent me back about 30 bucks um so big thumbs up from <laughs> and it's yeah. cheaper at places that aren't amazon so you don't even have to make that moral conundrum yeah no i i agree that it's worth it like especially like within these last couple episodes i've been like oh yeah this is much better this is much much better yeah. um and i think that like it'll make a larger difference like the deeper we get in. Um, Cause I know that like, I'm pretty sure that like HD started circulating enough by like book two that things animation stuff was shifting and they were a little more cognizant of like needing to adjust for that. Um, but yeah, it definitely looks a lot better, um, which I'm very glad about because I don't want fuzzy things on my TV yeah. anymore. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't think I would have thought because I hadn't seen it before as I was watching yeah. on Netflix. I don't think I would have thought, wow, eh, I'm not sure um that this looks great. It just it was just animation and it was creative and the colors were nice and that was about it. But gosh, it just a really the contrast was incredibly noticeable. Um no, uh, Marcus wants to know is there a notable upgrade from the DVDs? I'm guessing he's saying from the DVDs versus the Blu-ray. Yeah, and I think it's like just noticeable enough. I don't think that it was like a huge leap. Um in part probably just because they didn't want to spend like a lot of money like re-remastering them. Um but I think that there's enough of a difference. Um, but I mean, you can probably get the DVD sets really cheap too. If that's more your speed. Um, and I don't think that'll hurt my big soapbox is that when I got a PlayStation and was starting to buy Blu-rays, um, I was mostly just like, yeah, no, every things look better on Blu-ray, but like not enough in my brain sometimes the glaring exception is animation for me is like animation looks incredible on Blu-ray. I feel like, um, and that's really held out for me in a lot of instances, especially like I own the entire like studio Ghibli, like collection type of deal on Blu-ray. And it's just kind of ridiculous how good it looks, um, even compared to my DVDs. Um, so as a big animation person, I tend to 
go for Blu-ray first, just because it always looks better. Um, the only live-action show that I feel, or like program or anything that I feel like has actually benefited from being on Blu-ray is Hannibal. Big surprise. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Marcus uh, also says, uh, speaking of exposition dumps, which we were talking about earlier, uh, I was wanting more of an explanation from Roku, but I guess that will come later and I'll have to have some patience. Uh, yes, we will get more information later, but this is not a show that really goes for exposition dumps in general. So yes and no, but yes. And it helps that like literally no one else has information (laughs) (laughs) because everything's lore at this point. Um, and myth. Um, so yeah. Um, well, that's going to wrap up our conversation about these two episodes, Winter Solstice or The Spirit World and Avatar Roku. Tomorrow we're going to be back to talk about episodes uh, eight, or sorry, 9 and 10, The Waterbending Scroll and Jet, um, which means we're only a few uh, days away from Allison. New episodes for you. Yeah, I can't wait. These episodes, the next two episodes, I liked very much, though, so I'm excited to talk about yeah. them. Yeah. Should be super fun. So thank you everyone for hanging out. Uh, Keenan and Marcus and Scotty for hanging out in the chat. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, ben from Tasmania is listening and watching along as well as Vince Noel. So we've got a couple different oh, cool. listeners. So let us know uh, if uh, you have any thoughts on these episodes. And I mean, I don't know how time zones work for you guys. If Ben is actually in Tasmania and Vince is in Germany, they may not be able to do one thirty central time. <laughs> but if you guys are up at whatever crazy hours those are, feel free it to is into the Zoom. 5.06 in Tasmania right now in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow for us, Wednesday. <laughs> 8.30. See, 8.30 in the evening is fine if you're like locked in and you can't go anywhere. You know, that, that's that's more reasonable than 5 in the morning. But anyways, thanks, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.